You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. A couple years ago, um, my wife and I, we went back uh, to Columbia, Missouri, which she did school. It was a reunion for her. And one of the things we had to do when we went there is we had to go to this place called CJ's. And I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's in Columbia, Missouri. But I think on our very first, second date, my wife's like, oh, there was this place when I went to school. It's called CJ's. And she talked about the chicken wings they had. And they had the most amazing chicken wings, according to her. So when we went there, the fir- one of the first things we had to do, I think we went there two or three times, we went to CJ's. And sure enough, it was probably the best chicken wings I've ever had in my life. Anybody like chicken wings besides me? They were like perfectly crispy on the outside. They were fresh and they were like juicy and tender on the inside. And then they made their own sauce. And then they had, it was the first time I ever had it, they had fried pickles and they were equally good. So we just really had a great time. Um, Anybody have a place like that? You know, like one of those favorite places and like only someone can do it. And hopefully it's close by. I mean, we have in and out and it's like every time you have out of town guests, we always have to take them in and out and give them a sticker, a t-shirt and they feel kind of cool. But, um, (laughs) Chick-fil-A, yeah, or Cane's, you know, that's kind of like a younger crowd. Every time I go there, it seems like you have to be a teenager to eat there, but uh, it's it's good. Um, But imagine if I was at CJ's, and instead of eating the chicken wing, imagine if I just sat there, whoop, sorry, imagine if I just sat there, and I looked at the menu, in fact, I studied the menu, and I memorized it, and I can quote the menu, like I, with my eyes closed because I'd memorized it. And then I started watching everybody else eat, but I still didn't eat. And then I went behind the, I went behind the scenes where the kitchen was, and I was like, you know, I want to I wanna see how they make it. So I'm seeing how they make it. I'm looking their secret sauce. And then I learned the history of the place, but I never ate the chicken wings. Wouldn't that be like the dumbest thing ever? And I couldn't, and if that would happen, I couldn't honestly stand up here and say, those are the best chicken wings I ever had. I could say, well, well, I heard they are. My wife says they are. But I couldn't really with conviction say that. So today, we're going to be doing a little bit different service. We're going to be, I want to do some tasting instead of talking. And I want to do what, I want to take David's advice in Psalms 34.8. And this is what David said. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because the Lord is good. And whether you believe in God or believe in Jesus or you don't, God is good. But as believers, we have an invitation this morning, an invitation for our life to taste and see that he's good to experience God. There's one thing to know about God and know about Jesus, and the other thing is to experience him. So how do, we, how do I want to do that this morning? Well, we're going to do it through worship. So we're going to have, I'm going to do an abbreviated message, and we're going to do a lot of worship. And this is kind of in conclusion of our I Am series. You know, we really felt led this year that we need to return to our first love, who is Jesus. So we, we finished just a seven-week series, and we talked about the I Am statements where Jesus proclaimed different statements about himself. So it's kind of like we studied the menu. You know, we had a good time. We heard the stories. But today we get to taste and see that Jesus is good. Um, 
so what I want to do is start out with two scriptures and then I'll pray and then we'll get, and then I'll do a little teaching of, of worship. So the two scriptures, the first one is Psalms 135.3. It says, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name for it is pleasant. The next is Psalms 145.3. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Can we say that together? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. One more time. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So let's pray. Lord, we want to sit down with you. You said that you knock at our door and that you want to come in and sup with us. And we want to taste and see that you're good. We want to experience you. Lord, no matter what happened this week, whether it was a good week or bad week, we, we opened with a tragedy. But Lord, even in the midst of tragedy, you invite us at your table. And you said the, your, the, over your banqueting table is love, Lord. And you want us to experience your love, your presence this morning. And we're hungry for it. Lord, we, can, we can't find that true river of life aside from you. And that's what we want this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, t I said, hey, we're going to do worship today. So what is worship? You know, it's a common term in, in church, in Christian, in Christian world. Um, and if you, go, if you grew up in different type of, uh, type of Christian environments, you know, we all have our different form of worship. But what really is worship? One of my favorite definitions is an old-fashioned Webster's Dictionary. It said, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. We don't really use the submission word too much anymore. It's not that popular. But to honor God with extravagant love and extreme submission. And the word worship came, uh, it, was, it actually came into prominence in the 1300s. It, it was a combination of two words, worth and ship. And it meant to ascribe or declare the worth of something or to place value in the thing being honored. So to worship then is to lift up the Lord, to declare his value, and to place life our life under his lordship. And David said it correctly in Psalms 129, verses 1 and 2. David said, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And you know, that term, like I said, worship is used a lot. And most of the time we associate worship with singing. Wouldn't you say that's right? But yet, and we will be doing that a little bit later. But worship is really about coming to God and bowing down to him. Because the heart of the question of what is worship is what I bow down to. Let me repeat that. The heart of the question of what is worship is what I bow down to. Because we all bow down to something, don't we? Whether we know it or not. Um, but, but when we worship, we surrender our own desires, our feelings, our pleasures. Whatever my body wants, you know, normally we go after that and we, we worship that. Um, for others, people, people sometimes worship popularity, they worship money, they worship power, our culture, or even our country. But as believers, our worship should be for God and God alone. He needs to be our first allegiance and we worship him as we surrender to him. Which leads us to another question of why we worship. You know, why do we, I mean, I grew up in church, so sometimes we just do things and we're like, we never really think about it, but, but why do we worship? Well, it's a simple answer. We worship God because he is God, period. 
We worship God because he is God, period. God is omnip- um, omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omniscient, all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's all, always present everywhere. He's holy. He's perfect. He's eternal. He's our creator. He's our all in all. We worship God because he is God and he deserves it. And worship really is not about us. I'm as guilty as, as a lot of people. A lot of people, when we, they leave church, like, well, how did you like worship? Eh, I didn't get much out of it. I hate that song. I hate that worship guy. <laughs> that person next to me, they're the worst voice. You know, it's all about us. I mean, I, I think if we said, hey, who, who, who thought like that? We'd all raise our hands. But this is a really a misconception about worship. See, worship isn't really for our benefit, even though there are benefits of worship. When we worship, our goal should, not, should be to bring pleasure to God, not ourselves. There's something really powerful when you worship out of obedience because God asks you to sing and obey and worship him. There's something powerful about that. And even if you get nothing out of it and it's straight for him. You know, I wonder in our modern charismatic movement if we've lost that. It kind of feels like a lot of it is about me. You know what? Like, oh, I just want to go in because I get this. And, and then a lot of the songs are about me, me, me. God, you're meeting my need. And, but, you, you know, I wonder if we've got it a little bit reversed because it's not about us. It's about God. And our attitude should be, I don't care if I feel like it. I'm going to worship you because you're God. That's, that's where real worship starts. And I don't want to really be a consumer-driven, have a consumer-driven worship mentality. They say, it's all about me and my preferences. Or I don't want to worship with abandon because I don't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you feel that pressure. It's like you see someone worshiping and they're going for it. And either you think they're strange or you think, man, I wish I could be like that, but I just don't have the guts to do it. You know, we all, we all feel like that. We're all self-conscious. You know, and worship shouldn't be a warm-up for the main meal. A lot of times my attitude was like, okay, I'll order a, a sermon with a side of worship. <laughs> but Jesus is the main dish. And oftentimes we just need to spend time in his presence, even as a body. There's power in that. Worship him with expectation, adoration, and abandonment. And you know what? We can really learn about God, read the Bible, hear great teachings, so that we can worship. We do all that so we can worship God and, and be at his feet. It's our privilege. And my challenge to you this morning is to push you. If you're uncomfortable with worship, especially demonstrative worship and singing, I just want to nudge you a little bit this morning. Because if you haven't really grown up in church, or if you're new to church, you come to church and it's like, it feels weird. Why are we singing? Adult singing? I remember Roger used to always say when he first came to the Lord, he went there, and the only time he ever heard people do that was when they were drunk. And um, so a lot of, you know, if you don't, if you haven't, if you haven't grown up with that, you don't, it's strange. Or maybe you grew up in a religion where, you know, you have to be really quiet and barely even look up. But, but God wants us to be exuberant worshipers. So if you're having problems with that or, or you, you know, you're not really comfortable, I just want to push you a little bit this morning. There's no judgment. God loves you no matter what you do. And if you're, you love worship and you're, you're the one who just goes for it and you forgot your flag today, but normally you have your flag, <laughs> I just want to say, you know what? There's room for you to grow too. 
All of us can grow. In fact, if you look at glimpses of heaven, remember that one scene where the elders, they all lay down their crown and they're like worshiping God. There was a quote from A.W. Tozer and it was, if I can remember it, it says, if you're not comfortable with worship down here, you might not be very comfortable in heaven. And it's like, whoa, that kind of hit you. And a big part of worship though is singing together as a church. You know, singing is not always worship. And worship is not always singing. And worship can take the form, uh, many forms outside of singing because it's really a heart and a posture issue. But as a congregation, when we get together, we generally sing. So why do we sing? Thanks for asking. (laughs) Well, first, as humans, I think we're just programmed for music. Every single culture throughout time, they all have their own musical identity. You know, it's something in there. Um, I went to Uganda a couple years ago, and we were in the, the, um, the refugee camps, and we had, a, we had a concert, and all the different tribes came in individually, and they had their own identical, uh, own individual songs and dances, and it was so cool. They didn't have any instruments. They did it all a cappella, and man, it was cool. It was totally different than ours, but it's in kind of our own DNA because I think as beings, we're creative, like our, like our creator, And and music is creative. And second, we sing because you can say things in music that you can't say outside of songs or poetry. You notice that? Like sometimes in a song, you can encapsulate feelings that you can't get anywhere else. Even in our worship songs, like one minute we can be talking about the painful thing that they just experienced at Camp Pendleton, and then the next breath we're glorifying God. Only in the song can we do that. Um, sometimes sermons require points and you know, illustrations, but music sometimes skips right over that. A good example is the story behind a real famous and beloved hymn. I know that we all know. And this hymn was penned by an attorney and businessman named Horatio Spafford in 1876. Anybody ever hear of him? And the hymn was written after a traumatic event in his life. It was a a series of events. The first one was the death of his four-year-old son. And then the great Chicago fire of 1871 ruined him financially. And then his other business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873. Kind of sounds like it was close to 2020, doesn't it? And then the ship that his wife and four daughters were on sank while crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And all four of his daughters drowned and died. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him the now famous telegram that said, saved alone. And shortly afterwards, as he was traveling to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write the words of this now famous hymn as the ship passed near where the daughters had drowned. And those words became the famous song, It Is Well With My Soul. You know, we think it's such a great song, but then we... We, we realize the pain behind it. And only a song can captulate the mixed feelings, the trust in God, the hope in God, but yet the, the heartbreak, heart-wrenching that that, would, that that caused him. Let me just read some excerpts from that song. It says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, Though trials should come, 
Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Oh, oh, the Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds will be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall resound and the Lord shall descend a song in the night, oh, my soul. It is well. It is well. With my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Singing has a unique ability to both describe the worst of human pain as it melts into the vastness of God. And third, we sing because there is a bond in singing that unifies us as the body of Christ. Have you noticed that? When we come together and sing, there's unity and, and just like in our body, all the different functions in part unifies us as a, as a body. It feels like when we sing in worship, it unifies us, all our different parts, as one bride to Christ. It's beautiful. And fourth, would we sing because singing allows God to speak through the songs and actually teaches us theology. In earlier times, singing and worship were where many people learned their theology because they couldn't read or write. Um, and they could easily remember scripture through it. And Bible can be taught a lot through music. I don't know if anybody remembers Maranatha music back in the day. They used to just do like, seek you first the kingdom of God unto thee, O Lord. Just pure scripture. And now Shane and Shane, anybody hear them? They're all about scripture. So God speaks to us through songs. And have you ever had a worship song stuck in your head and it really encouraged you all week? I did this week and it was like, I woke up with it. And it was really encouraged me and it just brought me again into God's presence. So what happens when we worship? Well, first, it helps us become like Jesus. You know why? Because we become what we worship. We become what we worship. If you worship money, you end up getting greedy. If you worship yourself, you're pretty proud. Remember in high school, I had a friend and we grew up together, and then he started listening to mod music. Remember that? And within a couple of months, he like just listened to it, almost worshipped it. And then he changed his, his, his uh, clothes. He drove a little scooter. I remember one of my uh, kids, they had a friend, girl, and it was a beautiful little girl. And then, and then I saw her in high school, and she was like uh, um, goth. You know? And it started with her listening to goth music, and she kind of worshipped it. And then she took on the attire, you know? And it's like, we become what we worship. So when we worship Jesus... We become more like him. He transforms our heart. And second, when we worship, we feel rest for our souls. We feel rest for our souls. I had lunch with Gary Ray this week, and we were just talking about worship and about today. And he just had such a healthy perspective. So I got out my little phone and I recorded him. So I actually have a quote from Gary. Uh, So it should be here on the screen. But this is what he said. It was really apropos. He says, people are stressed with all that's going on. But when we begin to worship, all that falls into place and gets aligned in the river of God's peace. In a sense, it's a quick fix. You can try to study and get the answers or watch a hundred Facebook videos. (laughs) When you worship, it's like suddenly God is in control and I realize that I am his son or daughter. So many people are fearful and worship fixes that because of who we are worshiping and he aligns it and his presence and peace come. If we can live in his presence, we will live without fear. Let me repeat that last one. If we can live in his presence, we can live without fear. I mean, don't we all need that right now? 
And then I've been wondering recently, well, how did we get so fortunate to get Gary back? Really, I mean, you know, he had a, he, <laughs> he had a lot of options. And you know what? He was a world-class guy, and he, had a, he did have a lot of options. He probably could pay him more money than we in bigger churches. But, you know, he really felt, and his whole family felt, that they're called back here. So how did we, how are we so fortunate? I mean, he's a great musician and a terrific guy, and his family is wonderful, but he's not just a good musician. At heart, he's a worshiper. And I feel that he's, he has a gift to lead people into worship. You know, sometimes you hear worship leaders, and yeah, they're just musicians, they're great musicians, and then there's some people, even if they're not a good musician, but Gary, he's got both, but he can just lead you into the presence of God. And it's really a gift to our church. So why did God do that? Just so we can put another notch in our belt and like, yeah, we got Gary Ray. You know what? I think that God has a plan for this church to, for us to become more intense worshipers. To be known as a worshiping people. I mean, we have an amazing history of worship. We've had great worship leaders, great history of worship. But I think we've been a little soft in this area. You know, we're not as passionate about it as we should. And I think God is raising the bar. He's given us Gary as a first example. And what are we going to do about it? I would love to be known as a worshiping church. You know, there's a lot of different reputations you could have. You know, there's some you meet some people and they're like, okay, that guy's a beach person. Or, hey, that's a river person. Or they're mountain people. Or they're desert people. How about if we get known as a worshiping people? Like, if you want to come together and experience God, experience the supernatural, you can come to Heritage at our church, at our groups, in the life of every member here, because they're worshipers and God's living there. And great things happen when, God pres- when God's presence is manifested among us. There's salvation, signs and wonders, healings, deliverances, all the, dis- all the stuff that the disciples did when they were out and about when Jesus sent them. And also that inward work of God in our hearts. Peace, joy, forgiveness. It's hard to stand in the presence of God and worship when you're bitter against somebody. In fact, the Bible says, go and get right, then come back. Or given us proper perspective in the midst of all these storms. So I want to call the worship team up again. Um, but I have a couple calls of action, if you will. You know, I want us, even if our heart's not in it, for us to worship. Even if you don't feel like it, worship. It doesn't always have to be an emotional thing. And I want you to be willing to be stretched in this area. Because God is worthy to be praised, whether we feel like worshiping him or not. And second, I want to challenge you to be stretched in worship. Start this morning. There's different ways when we're singing and being demonstrative in our worship that the Bible talks about. And I want you to, I want to read this list and I want you to think, you know what? I've never done that. Maybe you wanted to do it. Maybe you told yourself you would never do it. But I want to say, as I read this list, is there some type form of this worship that you've never done? Maybe you could do it this morning. Okay? Okay, Good. Well, you should have actually waited until I said the list before you said okay. (laughs) In negotiation, that's one-on-one, guys. You're, you're not, you're, you always let the other guy show his card first. 
But the forms of corporate, uh, some of the forms of corporate praise that are mentioned in the Bible are singing. Sorry, Governor Newsom. Singing. <laughs> um, and then they're shouting. You know, I mean, I'm a big hockey fan, Ducks fan. I, I shout when they score. You know, angels, I mean, whatever. You know, when we go and, you know, you, you catch that wave and, like, everybody's like, woo! Why can't we shout in church? The Bible talks about it. There was a couple shouters this morning in our first service. What about standing in honor? You know? Like, our American culture, it's sort of casual. Like, there's some cultures, some of the Asian cultures, they're very respectful, and they just stand in honor to honor each other, to honor a dignitary. How about if we just stand and honor God? I don't know what that looks like, but that's mentioned in the Bible. And then there's kneeling. You know, when you kneel, have you ever had anybody kneel to you? Kneel before the Lord. And you're just like, you know, you're submissive. You're the king and I'm your servant. If you've never done that, try that this morning. How about dancing? Uh oh. Dancing, why not? You know what? Do a little, do a little jump or something. Doesn't have to be extravagant. And then this is what we all do anyway: make a joyful noise. Doesn't have to be classic. You know, maybe you sound better in the shower than you do here, but make a joyful noise. And then raise your hands. Raise your hands. For some people, man, raising your hands feels like. You're a streaker, you know what I mean? It's like everybody's looking at you and you just feel so bare. And maybe that was a bad example. But, <laughs> you know, for some people, it's just like, ah, oh, it feels like the whole world is looking at you. Yeah, close your eyes, right. <laughs> so maybe start here. What was that video? What was this called? Hold my TV. Yeah, hold my TV. There's different forms. So start, hold my TV. But then just go up and just abandon and worship God. Because he's worthy. He's holy. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.